0: Dr. Kasai Hussein is a lawyer, psychologist, and now a tech entrepreneur, founding online telehealth platform Cyberclinic. How do all of these things blend into one? I hear you ask. Well, Kasai started to see, as we all have, the incidence of mental health going up. He puts this down to mental health awareness increasing, and thus more reporting's probably going on. But whilst more and more people were becoming aware, more and more people actually now started to seek service providers and this is where kasai encountered two problems one practitioners are spread all over australia so it's very hard to find and have access to a practitioner and two more importantly you want to be matched to a practitioner that can deal with your specific mental health issue and also ensure that it is someone who you can trust kasai invested his own money and energy into building this online clinic to solve these issues and his results have been remarkable. But as you will hear, riding the startup rollercoaster certainly has come with sacrifice and cost too. Kasai needs to be applauded as he is changing people's lives, giving people with conditions access to treatment that otherwise never would have happened. Please enjoy our very in-depth and important discussion. Dr. Kasai Hussein, managing director at Psi Legal and founder and CEO of Cyber Clinic. Welcome to Discipline. Thank you. Uh, now you're a very accomplished professional. You're both a lawyer and a doctor, focused on psychology and forensic psychology. So, when you were a young boy, growing up in India, yeah, what did you want to be when you grew up? <laughs> well, I wanted to
1: be a lot of things, but I, I think uh, you know pretty early on when when, when I was young. Uh, I knew I wanted to do something with the with the brain, and you know, I I think I remember back I used to tell my parents that I wanted to be a, a neurosurgeon um, because I was really fascinated with the with the brain and how it operates. And I think as I grew older, I started to realize that it wasn't so much the brain that I was really interested in, but the mind. Uh, and so that's what really kind of drew me towards uh, psychology at a at a later point.
0: But you went and studied law um, in about. Nineteen ninety-seven. You practice mm. at a firm.
1: Yeah, I did. So I completed law. I went to National Law School in, in Bangalore, which is one of the, the premier law schools uh, of its time, uh, and it was all really by, by chance that I got in. You know, I, I went into law largely um, because I was I was really interested in social justice. You know, at, at the time. And um, and also in part at a, at a personal level, I wanted to get away from my parents and go and study somewhere <laughs> else. <laughs> so um, uh, you know, my, my parents lived in Calcutta. I was uh, I went to study in, in Bangalore, uh, and it was a good way uh, to to get away from from the family. So um, yeah, so I did my I did my law. Uh, and I, I specialized actually in my last year uh, of law in, in criminal law because I was really fascinated in uh, with, with criminal law. Yeah. I thought that was really sort of my interest and in really understanding you know human behavior because that's really where it, where it all comes from. You know human behavior, why why people behave in yes. these kind of aberrant ways. Yes, uh, what motivates yeah. them? Uh, what motivates serial killers, murderers? You know yeah. that kind of thing.
0: We then went to New York City. Uh, to do some study, what what drew you to New York at that point in time? Apart from well, the fact it's New York,
1: apart from the fact, yeah, it's uh, it's New York, and uh, well, really, what happened was um, so after I finished uh, my my law degree, I, I started practicing, and I was you know I was working in in, in Bombay um, doing doing crime and and doing corporate crime, um, but I was really you know. passionate about about psychology and uh, one of the things when you're you're practicing, you know, uh, criminal law, you know, I I describe it as kind of like you're a doorman at a revolving door, you know, people come in, you get them out, they come back in again and, you know, it's just, you know, uh, that's the cycle and so back then I figured, you know, there had to be a better way to kind of work this problem or, you know, help these people. Um, and so that's when I started to, you know, look into and started researching around, you know, what are the different ways that you could uh, do this and how I could combine it with my with my law degree. Um, and that's how I found forensic psych. Okay. So forensic psychology, which is really criminal psychology, um, um, really developed, you know, in, in America, the study of that. And and at the time, uh, the course that I went to, which was in, in, in New York, was the first of its kind okay. Okay. It was a master's in forensic psychology, yeah, wow. okay. yeah. and uh, so that was really, really cool because that that course uh, had you know a lot of professionals in in the, in the course, um, and so I you know had others who, uh, who were in the course with me were you know other lawyers, psychiatrists, psychologists, NYPD, FBI, CIA, Amazing. you know, so sort of judges, you know, so it was really a you know a diverse bunch of professionals, um, law enforcement, and you know treatment. And so that was really uh, amazing. So going to New York in and of itself, that was fantastic. And just going and doing a course and then getting the exposure to to working there. So I worked, um, you know, at uh, maximum security prisons. I've worked in, uh, you know, forensic hospitals and community sex offenders uh, programs, uh, worked with gangs uh, as well. Uh, So I had kind of really a large... Massive exposure. Yeah, yeah, massive exposure to to, to crime, uh, really.
0: And then how do you get from New York to Melbourne in Australia? Well, it was
1: an escape again, I think, <laughs>
0: <laughs> trying to get away. Um, well, so I, I
1: did that and I was I was living there. Then uh, 9-11 uh, happened in, in New York. Um, and really, I felt like uh, things really changed after you know, 9-11 uh, happened. And uh, you know, I think from, from a criminal justice point of view, it, it was just... Kind of becoming more difficult, more onerous, you know, like at times just to get into work, it would take me an hour because of all the screening and the tests and uh, security measures you had to go through because of everything that was implemented. Um, But also um, at the time I had decided that I wanted to go and do a a doctorate in, in psychology. And so what happened was, uh, when I started applying, was I applied kind of you know internationally again. Um, I'd applied here to to uh, to Melbourne Uni in, in Australia, and the uh, professor here, who was who later on became my my uh, supervisor, he was the the preeminent professor in uh, in the field in which I specialized, which was with sex offenders. Uh, so he was based over here. Uh, and so there were, you know, a number of factors that kind of led me uh, to Australia. One, I wanted to kind of move away uh, from from America, and uh, I hadn't been to Australia, and you know, growing up because I grew up in Jordan in the in the Middle East, and yeah. when we, you know, we were studying, uh, Australia was always the exotic land, yeah, right. you know, with, with kangaroos, kookaburras, cucu- <laughs> and and kangaroos and and stuff. And I thought, you know, I'll, I'll go to Australia. You know, uh, a great opportunity, and so that's what I did. I ended up uh, over here at uh, Melbourne Uni.
0: Yeah right okay, um, and you finish your your doctorate and you set up Cy Legal. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me about that going from a service provider to a business owner.
1: Yeah, so that's been a really uh, interesting journey. Uh, again, right? I mean, I started out. So, so my my kind of fantasy, uh, really, when I started out was that I would become you know a practitioner in your typical kind of you know view that we have of you know psychologists you, you have your room and you've got a couch and you sit there and you, and you talk and that was really my fantasy you know that, that that's what I wanted to, to do um and so that's why I started my my private practice and I said you know let's I'll start to see patients after I, I finished my my doctorate. Um, and, and then it, uh, sort of just, uh, you know, grew, grew from there because, um, you know, if you're, if you're doing well and you're, you're helping your patients, that, that starts to, to, to grow. Um, and then, uh, you know, I sort of branched out, I was doing a lot of, you know, forensic work. So I was doing, you know, writing reports, treatment, uh, going to court. Uh, and then we sort of had the clinical arm, and I'd sort of expanded into working with lawyers. Uh, ironically enough, uh, because kind of I was based here, you know, in, in the city, and I would get a lot of referrals from you know GPs uh, from uh, the legal precinct. Um, and, and they would say, you know, go and see, you know, he's a lawyer, he probably knows how to help you out kind of thing, right? So that's how it started. So I would see a lot of lawyers. And so then I start to look into, you know, some more research around why lawyers and why, why, you know, why lawyers experience such high levels of mental yeah. difficulties. Yeah. So I got really interested in that and then we start to set up some programs specifically for lawyers. Okay. And I started doing, you know, uh, treatment, training in law firms, etc. Yeah, right. So that became our sort of, you know, the, the corporate arm like, of the business where we would do training and things like that. I had the forensic component and then we had the clinical where we would just see people who would be referred from hospitals gps and so it actually grew and then i set up an, another practice uh, as well and we had a number of practitioners working over here um, and so it's you know it's it's grown uh since then just organically really yeah uh, without the intention for me to really set it up like a like an it entire business yeah, right? yeah so it's yeah. just an organic uh growth you know and so i've had to learn A number of things uh, along the way as as you do when you're just growing a business. Yeah.
0: So in amongst all of this, you've got a a thriving practice, a growing business, and then you decide to change direction uh, yet again, go into entrepreneurship and start Cyber Clinic. Um, What what were you thinking?
1: (laughs) Well, I don't don't know if I was actually thinking – really, you know, too much about, about what that all meant. I mean, look, with, with entrepreneurship, I you know, I, I think the term gets thrown around, you know, quite a bit in terms of what what that all, all means. I, I feel like, um, I don't know if I, you know, call myself an entrepreneur, but I've had, you know, a number of businesses, different practices that I've set up. And so that's what you you learn, right? I mean, you're a business owner and you learn how to kind of do all of that. Um, with Cyber Clinic, really, what, what sort of the evolution of that was... Um, so, so through my practice, um, I've you know I've had you know experience working with a number of patients, and uh, you know one of the common thread that was coming across uh, quite significantly was. The difficulty navigating the mental health care system, and this is also part of the, um, uh, you know, what's formed the uh, the basis of the uh, productivity commission's uh, you know inquiry now, uh, the royal commission into mental health, um, because the biggest difficulty that people have is really just getting access to good quality mental health care, um, and so really through the, the patients I've been seeing, the difficulties that they were having is finding someone. Uh, Finding someone that they could trust, uh, because you know psychology and you know mental health—it's a very personal journey, right? Uh, So, so people really feel like they want to be able to talk to someone that they can actually get along well with, that they can trust, um, and and be able to speak about a lot of things that they wouldn't normally talk to someone else about. Um, So, so really, that forms the crux of everything, and um, I feel like we don't really look at that or we, we do not measure it in any particular way to determine how well people, patients are connected to their practitioners and uh, whether they're getting the outcomes that they actually should be uh, getting. And so, uh, so, in and amongst that, I was, you know, kind of you know, thinking a lot about, about that. But what really kind of triggered that was, um, so a few years ago, my family and I, we were in Fiji and while we were in Fiji, Um, this gentleman, he came up to me and he asked me for some money. And I said, well, what do you want the money for? Um, And he said, well, I'm a paranoid schizophrenic and I want the money for medications. And um, he must have seen, you know, the look on my face. Uh, You know, I'm I'm from India and I'm I'm used to hearing told stories for for money. Um, But, you know, he probably saw the look on my face. And then he proceeded to pull out a document from his pocket, which was signed and sealed by the government of Fiji, which... Um indeed said that he was a paranoid schizophrenic, and he was legally allowed to beg for money and that uh, kind of shocked me to think that we are now in the twenty first century that people are kind of you know legally begging for money and and really the backstory to that for him was what it meant was that you know rather than him getting harassed by police for being on the streets and asking you know asking for money and then them taking money from him. He had something that he could show them, which said, that look, I can do this. And there's a legitimate reason why yeah. I'm asking for money. So yeah. he wouldn't get harassed. So that was really the context, I think, in yeah. which they were, he had this kind of document. But my thinking was, um, surely there was a better way to help people like him. And so what I wanted to do was, I thought, you know, would there be a way that we could use our practitioners from my clinic, uh, PsyLegal, to provide pro bono services to, yeah. to patients like him, across the world in, yeah. in these underdeveloped countries so that would that was what the really genesis sparked of
0: it. yeah cyber clinic right yeah. uh,
1: you know with, with a social impact kind of basis really uh, uh, to it um, and so you know I was thinking about innovatively about ways in which I could incentivize my practitioners to do that what would we need how could we you know get them to provide this etc so then I came back to Australia I sort of immediately commissioned a market research to look at this, you know, whole area and, and using telehealth video yep. as a form to do that. And so when we started to look into that and when I got the report back, what we found is that, you know, we had bigger problems here in Australia, let alone trying to solve problems o- overseas. Globally, yeah. Right? right. And that was really this, this mental health issue over here of, of people. Uh, And so that's when I started to look at, you know, how do we really develop a product that allows people to start to engage and interact with uh, practitioners here.
0: And when you say we've got bigger problems here in Australia, I mean, we're talking about people not, I mean, I'm imagining people in regions not being able to access quality practitioners or enough practitioners or it's too hard to get in or, or people don't want to go into an office. What? What's the scope of the problems that Australia is experiencing?
1: Well, I, I mean, look, it's a multivariate uh, problem, I think, but at, at the very core, um, look, you know, now there's a lot of recognition. There's a lot of money being spent on awareness and education around mental health, which is fantastic. Um, and, and we certainly need that. The, uh, the issue that I think that it's now raised, and I hear that from a lot of my patients, is that uh, people have now become more aware but what they now need is they need services, they need treatment. So as we're getting more and more people who are becoming aware of this, then they need to go and get services to help them with it. And that's where we're really lacking is that we, we don't have or we're not providing the service. Now, we're not providing the service in terms of not, not that we don't have a workforce. In fact, we have we have probably more than about 50,000 mental health workers with a combination of psychologists, psychiatrists, mental health social workers, nurses, counsellors. So we've got, we've got a sufficient workforce. The problem is that uh, everyone is spread out. So the concentration, obviously, in the city locations, uh, patients are spread out, you know, everywhere. Um, and so we're not connecting the patients with the, with the right practitioners yeah. and with the right skill set yes. as well. So that's that's really where we're, we're not making the right type of match so video assists with that because it takes the geographical boundaries away and that's sort of what I envisage with with cyberclinic is that we don't have the, the boundary anymore of geography that's become limiting through video. The other ancillary problem is well how do you match someone to the right practitioner. How do you get that fit? Yeah. Right. Because right now, traditionally, the method is that if you go and see a GP, which is really the most common uh, way of actually accessing, you know, a mental health care practitioner. Um, in fact, there was a Royal Australian College uh, report which suggests that almost up to about seventy patients who are presenting to uh, GP clinics clinics have a complaint of uh, mental health. But GPs probably spend maybe, you know, on average about eight to 10 minutes, you know, with a patient. A patient. Yeah. right? And so they don't have the ability to really do a, a comprehensive uh, assessment to then match them correctly. So that's what psychologists do. We get a referral, and then, you know, my, my first appointment is usually an hour uh, where I do a fairly comprehensive assessment to determine what's the best needs uh, for the patient. So, so that's not sufficient time. And we rely on the GPs then to make this match. And, you know, it's, Kind of six degrees of separation really you don't know that many people will be in your local area and so that may not be really the best fit for you and so when we when we designed Cyberclinic and had sort of launched it uh, done a soft launch that's what we started to to see was that the video was not really the main component of, of right. what people were really looking matching for. It the was matching ser- okay. to the service. That was the whole issue around the navigation around the mental health yeah, care system. Yeah. So like, How do I find the best care? Where do I go to get the care? And
0: so that best care, if I'm living here in Melbourne, the best person for the issues I'm experiencing uh, might be based in Queensland. And you're providing right. a way for me to get access to that person using CyberClinic. That's exactly it. Uh, but yeah. you thought the problem was that you know the video. The video would solve the right. problem, right. But okay. and, and that's what,
1: what you learn, right? I mean, if you have a, an iterative product and that's how you kind of develop it with yeah. kind of a... A minimum viable product, which we took out, and we said, "Let's take it into the market, see what people want." And we went to government and uh, you know, corporates, etc. Uh, that's the kind of feedback we started to get. So then we we redesigned our product, which now You've has pivoted a, a matching, the product, yeah, which now has a, a matching uh, algorithm that we have designed that sits at the base of of the the entire product.
0: Brilliant. So okay, so now you're up to your third iteration of yourself. Yeah, lawyer, psychologist, tech entrepreneur. That's right. Um, do you develop this yourself? How do you go about developing a technology business based on your domain expertise when you haven't really had much involvement in technology?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, that's that's a great question, right? Because uh, it, it's been a huge learning curve. And I think this is what, you know, I, I think for most people and for, for entrepreneurs, this is what we kind of want, want them to have is the capacity for them to, uh, you know, to be resilient, you know, uh, fairly stubborn in what world is it they're trying to trying to achieve, uh, but also be adaptive uh, and flexible. Yes, because you have to learn to be able to you know move with the times, with the market, yes. with the you know the the, the demands. Have dexterity. Uh, dexterity, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? And that's that's a I think a, you know fundamental quality for uh, for entrepreneurs. Yeah, uh, to be able to adapt, to be able to see what they need to do, and then kind of adapt accordingly. Um and so um you know for me I think really the you know the, the, the process uh has been really consistent with how I've always operated. You know, as you said, I've kind of adapted, you know, from different professions, I've moved based on what I thought were the times and you know the needs of, of people, um, and then learning the skill set. So it, it was really hard because when I came back from from Fiji, you know, I told my wife um that look, you know, this is something I want to do and and also in terms of the practice you know the practice was running quite well it was kind of operating on its own uh, and i really felt like i wasn't kind of you know as engaged that i really needed to start to, to 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 do more um and so i said look i'm going to kind of you know get into this and start start working on it and i had no idea what what it was like what you know what i was getting into you know i you know even the lingo in 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 tech um yes uh, it's completely different. It's like, you know, so, so it's a different language. It's right? People you know, talk footage. about verticals and, you know, uh, B2B, B2C. Like I had no idea what any of this meant. Like I would go for these meetups and things and, you know, people would be talking. And I'm like, what does this mean? right? You know, so you have to really learn right from you know scratch the, the, the whole thing. And so it, it was really, you know, it was fun. Um it, it was, you know, intimidating initially, but, you know, it's fun. And, you know, i that's what I enjoy. I, You know, I enjoy sort of getting into something, really understanding it, learning. Throwing yourself yeah. in the deep end. That's right. And then learning from that, you know. And so that's what the process has been about.
0: Um, and what, what do you think is the biggest learning you've taken out of this process over the last three years uh, of building a, a tech company?
1: Yeah, look, I think... Um, uh, certainly, I, I think uh, stamina is is key. Like yeah. you know, there's been a lot of ups and downs. I would I would say probably in this journey with, with tech, because you know I, I don't have a tech background. You know I. Uh, you know, I tell people I'm, I'm Indian, so sort of tech is in my in my blood. I think, <laughs> but but I don't have a tech background, you know. And so I've got a you know great CTO as well, who who sort of manages all our tech stuff. Um, and when you're building a company like this, predominantly cyber clinic, you know, it it is a tech company, um, and I and I feel that you know it's going to be fairly disruptive in this in this space. But we are we are a health service yes. company. At the very core, yes. You see, and so I think people so kind of techs forget ena- that. Takes the enabler for it's this. The en- yeah. absolutely. It's yeah. the enabler, right? At the end of the day, we're in the business of working with human beings, right? And that's our core core business. And so the tech is really allowing us to facilitate that process in a better way. So yeah. whether we use these algorithms, we have you know data matching systems, whatever we do, video, etc., is just to enable that. Yeah. And give a better experience to to the to the other human being that we are actually working with, and, and provide
0: more reach as well. I guess and 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 reach yeah. Yeah,
1: that that will come. You know that will that will come with it. Yeah. You
0: you talk about um ups and downs. Was there any time you know where your own mental health has been tested? and You've thought I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this in. This is just too hard.
1: Yeah, well, look, there've been there've been a few times uh where where that has happened. I mean, you know, it, this has has taken a huge toll uh on on my relationship as well and I think uh, you know, people really need to understand that as well when they go. I mean, there's all the glitz and glamour of, uh, you know, entrepreneurship that, that you hear about from people who have made it because we don't really hear about the people who haven't made it. That's true. Right. It's true. Um, and and so, uh, you, you know, you, you're caught in by that, but it, it takes a huge toll. And if you've got a family, which I do, and I've got young kids and, you know, they go to school and you know, all of that. So you've got all those demands on on you and, um, and then, you, you know, you need a job, you need cash flow, et cetera. Uh, so all you know, I, that's all kind of had to take a backseat to the development of all, all of this. So it's actually created huge pressures, you know, a lot of sacrifice. Um, and so, the, look, e- every day, you know, there, there's fluctuation. I mean, you know, there'll be there'll be some good days uh, where I think, oh yeah, we have, you know, I've got this contract or that lead has come in or you know that person's going to sign up, etc. And then something else will happen or the tech won't work or you know <laughs> we've got these complaints or you know uh, someone's resigned or you know, so there'll be. Heaps of different things on a on a day-to-day basis that will that will take place.
0: And on top of all of this, you know, you're developing um, incredibly good relationships with big customers. So you know, like health insurance providers, government side, um, you know, almost uh, quasi uh, statutory bodies in in building this business. How have you found that process in going from dealing one-on-one with one client? to big organizations.
1: Yeah, so that's, um, I mean, look, that that's, that's obviously comes with its challenges. I, I think, again, at it's very core, it's about the relationship. So to that extent, it doesn't change. I mean, but it does change from, you know, clinical treatment, focusing on, on your patient to now, you know, a bunch of other things that will, will come in. It's sales, it's, you know, project, it's yep. uh, legals, you know, uh, tech uh, audits all you know all these other things that that sort of come into come into play I think you know with, with again with the health with the health tech business what, what you have to kind of remember is that when you're when you're going into these kinds of um areas what you you have to keep an open mind uh but you you can't actually be going in with this half baked product. Um, So I think what's really important is that you have the ability to, uh, you know, be upfront, honest with what you have, because ultimately you're dealing, especially in mental health, we're dealing with, you know, with people's um, lives, you know, in a lot of instances. Um, And so you've got to meet all your clinical requirements um so you've got to have something where you know people are fairly confident it's going to be, be robust on a number of levels exactly yeah, yeah. but that robustness will, will come over time so it doesn't have to be perfect either but i think uh whenever you're dealing with government and you know other other bodies you just have to be clear and upfront but we, we you can't go in uh like let's say other tech companies where you know we, you can go in and go well you know, this is MVP, you know, minimum viable product, really basic. Let's just throw it out there and let's just see how many users we get, how many people download this and, you know, what it's like, and then we'll iterate. You can't actually do no, that with a health tech
0: product. Yeah, it, it doesn't work. it's got to have another layer of... Another um, layer, yeah. yeah. So there's that
1: clinical overlay, the clinical governance, which is absolutely critical. And I think this is what people have to understand. Like, if you're going to get into the health tech field... You you you've got to have at least you know you, you, if you're a tech background you've got to have uh, subject ma- uh, knowledge expert yeah uh, as as a co-founder or someone involved in the in the business that's because,
0: really interesting to hear actually I yeah. never actually thought about it like that so mm. having that domain expertise yeah it's almost essential it's, it's essential yeah um, what about then domain expertise on mental health for for me as an outsider looking in it seems to be obviously discussed a lot more, is it more prevalent now?
1: Yeah, look, I, I think that's, that's an interesting question. Um, I, I think, you know, we, we do see the incidence rates have gone up worldwide. We know that the, the incidence rates have gone up and there are a number of, you know, multivariate factors that contribute uh, to why, why that is the case. I think another factor is, of course, that just reporting has gone up because the awareness has increased yeah. uh, by people there are more people reporting uh, these kinds of things. They're more aware and they're more, more likely to come out and, and talk about you know, the issues that they have.
0: And in the old days, you know, 20, 30 years ago, people used to be stoic and brave and just get on with things and, and not discuss it. Um, at a macro and a micro level, you know, we've moved into a much more open dialogue about mental health. Um, why has this happened?
1: Well, look. I think you know it's it's probably because there's there's a recognition that it has uh, it has a huge impact. You know, so the mental health of a, of an individual uh, can impact you just as much as the uh, the, uh, the physical will will impact you. So it can become debilitating. Uh, it you know has uh, huge impacts on, on on families, on you know marriages, on your on workplace, your productivity. Yeah. Uh, so so the impacts are you know uh, quite quite huge when it, when it comes to your mental health. And if it's, if it's not looked after, then, uh, then it's going to cause a lot of disruption to, to an individual and, and people around them as well.
0: And what about if I'm experiencing some mental health issues, what do I need to look for? I mean, you know, I think of anxiety, I think of depression, but what are the, the most common things that happen to an individual when they start uh, going to a, a darker place?
1: Yeah, look, I, I think I mean, you know, with, with different uh, kinds of uh, you know, mental health conditions, there are different you know, symptoms. But in in general, I think <clears throat> some of the key key things that you'd be looking out for is really, you know, disengagement. So what I tell people often is that you know you're you're an expert on your own behavior, so you know when things are are changing, and and to a large extent, when you're starting to probably get more depressed or you know anxious um you know a lot of the time what people do is you know they will disengage so first of all they start to you know withdraw from family friends um you know things that they do they lose their motivation for for things that they would would do um another you know big sign is when you start to probably you know drink more i mean you know australia's got a big you know drinking culture to begin with so it becomes very difficult to discern when it's becoming excessive over, over here uh but you know i think in, in the case of you know entrepreneurship as well um you know that's a huge
0: issue you know yeah.
1: alcohol uh, drugs it's a it's a big issue um yeah. it's used as a coping mechanism
0: yeah you know? and if i was then looking out for someone and looking for symptoms of a close associate or a friend am i looking for disengagement is there any other telltale things that i want to catch up with me um how How does someone look out for someone and look for these signposts
1: yeah so i i so so disengagement you know is is uh, probably you know one of the the biggest ones i think in terms of just the you know a relationship that you have with uh with someone um I think also it's about just um you know the kind of language that people use or the the way that they're talking about about certain things or the fact that maybe they they don't want to you know talk about certain things. Uh, and it also depends on your relationship that you have, yeah. you know, with a person. I mean, you know, you have a different relationship with your colleague as opposed to, you know, a really close friend of yours or a family member. So, again, you have to be mindful of that of that relationship. Often what I say is that, you know, if you are concerned about about someone, uh, what you want to do is you want to kind of leave the door open for a conversation. So, um, you can't force a conversation with anyone, but what, what I like to, to do is, uh, you know, give an opportunity for the person to know that if they want to come yeah i'm available and they can at any time and and they can call or you know come and come and chat and and i'll be open to that.
0: and apart from you know the government plowing in money to this space the mental health space and providing more opportunities is there something in particular you'd like to see governments doing to Better support people and communities in the in the system.
1: Yeah, look, I, I think um, what what the government really does need to realise that uh, you know technology has the ability to change in the way that we now access and, and engage in, in mental health care. Um, and what I'd like to see is that the government starts to invest a lot more money into technology as a method and a means to enable access to to better quality mental health care. Yeah. Um, the, the government currently is putting, you know, a lot of money into into awareness and training. Like I said before, that's that's really great. Uh, but what it's doing is it's raising, it's raising the, the reporting and, you know, the number of people coming in for, for services, but we don't actually have uh, people actually getting the services that they need. And this is why the hospitals yeah. are now getting backed up and we've got, you know, huge acute issues around around mental health when you can really be dealing with a, in a preventative. Uh,
0: what about um you know you said before your own entrepreneurial journey's been stressful and you know taking a, a a toll um so it's quite lonely at times so how how have you been supported and how have you found support to
1: yeah look I, I think in in part uh, you know it it has been by you know mixing with other people who are also on this kind of journey so I think that's really great to be like the meetups to, you say yeah so the the meetups or you know going in you know uh, for different types of functions and talks and and things like that which uh, which allow you to meet other people and understand yeah. what they're what they're actually um going through I mean, you know, for me personally, again, you know, I, I try and exercise, you know, quite a bit. I've got a, you know, fairly uh, stringent, I think, routine. Um, you know, I, I probably work now close to about maybe 70 or 80 hours a, a week just through my practice and on, on cyber clean, you know. Uh, but, you know, I try to segregate that time. I, I spend time with the with the family, with the kids as, as best as I can. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, what about something you might do differently if you could? start again would you would you take on a business partner or are you happy the way you've done this all by yourself It enabled you to be true to your vision or do you think a partner could have helped shoulder the load a bit better
1: yeah i mean that's <clears throat> that's a good question in terms of you know whether i should have had maybe a co-founder uh, maybe involved in the business again i think that is a, that's a that's a key issue and you know because I've run you know other businesses and other practices before and I've had you know partners in in other ventures that I've done um, I think that's a very difficult uh, thing like um, you you want to really find the right person and and I felt like at least in in sort of in my journey like even meeting other other people because I I do meet a lot of psychologists probably not enough for tech savvy Um, and so that that has been sort of a, a barrier I think also maybe Uh, To some extent, as you normally do in these kinds of cases, I met with a lot of resistance as well. Uh, Yes from people saying, you know, I don't think this is actually going to work. or I don't think this is really the problem that you need to be solving. Yeah, or, everyone's an expert. Know, it's everyone's <laughs> an expert, right? And they're telling you what, what you should be doing. And so so I never really found, you know, the, the, the right fit. And so, you know, if if you think about the core, you know, basis of, of our entire business model of Cyber Clinic, which is getting the best fit, uh, that's something I believe, you know, Quite heavily like i needed to get the best fit yeah uh for the business so you, you took know, all the feedback
0: um, from meeting people you worked yeah, out yeah. what the actual problem was that it wasn't um so much the video but more this matching matching yeah and you only did that because you were out meeting customers and trying to sell a solution, sell a
1: solution yeah and and so trying to understand what what the problem really yeah. was like what what did people you know really really want yeah and so for me again you know the basis of that is about best fit for so even now when we when we look at investors or you know people coming on board shareholders etc. We're always looking for the best fit. You know I've bootstrapped this this entire you know uh, company, um and um you know only until now have I started to look for you know serious investment. Yeah, and that process has been also about vetting and finding you know the best fit uh, investors for the business, which will help it help it grow.
0: And how pleasing is it for you to now have a platform where. People are getting access to practitioners and getting help early. I mean, is this something where you know you've changed people's lives for the better? Is that is that bring a a sense of satisfaction? Absolutely. I
1: think you know because when you're when you're in in private practice, uh, you know and, and you know the businesses uh, we see a lot of a lot of patients i see you know quite a few patients as well but uh, i mean you have only so much of a of a reach right but with a with a technology platform at scale like cyber clinic uh you know there is you know there are no limits to who can get, get access and so this has been really you know the interesting thing like i had i have a patient through one of our government contracts who um i've seen uh, who was suffering from agoraphobia? He he didn't go out, um, stayed in his house pretty much, uh, you know, his his entire life. Like you, you know, he went to school, he dropped out of school. He's been proper debilitating.
0: Illness. Totally,
1: yeah, totally debilitating. Yeah. Staying at home, and then um, um, and and then he had access to to cyber clinic, uh, got connected with me. Um, and now I've got him to the point where, you know, where, where he's getting out, he's, he's walking out, he's going, you know, going to, you know, supermarkets, he's doing things. Um, I've got him, you know, uh, looking at, you know, talking to, talking to girls, um, now as well, Brilliant. she never had confidence doing, you know, on through the apps and, you know, other things, uh, which he, which he didn't do. And, and really he's told me that, you know, it's changed his life. Um, wow. Um, which otherwise he would have never had access to. Like yeah. he just wouldn't have gone and seen a psychologist or, yeah. um, you know, gone into someone's office because he doesn't doesn't leave the the home. That's extraordinary. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. Sorry, that's blown my mind. Um, what about going back to the entrepreneurial journey? Then, what advice would you give to first-time founders?
1: Oh wow. Um, First time founders, well, I I think um, probably importantly that they should really um, have a vision, right? Like they, I, I think uh, you, you've got to know what it is that you're trying to do, you know, believe in yourself. I think that's really a key thing that you've got to believe in whatever it is that you're uh, trying to do and then um, stick with it, you know. So because there's going to be a lot of ups and downs, you know, and I think the, the difficulty is that. Uh, if you're not stubborn enough uh, to, you know, stick with whatever the dream is, whatever it is that you, you want uh, and have a really bold vision for that, then it's probably going to die. Yeah. Um, so that's, yeah, that's what I would be saying is that you've got to, you've got to really be stubborn and stick with it.
0: We're going to finish off with a little bit more levity. Yeah. And okay. the quick fire round. Okay. Who has been an inspiration to you?
1: Um. Right. I, well, I, I would say, look, a couple of people. Um, um, first and foremost, I think it would be really some, you know, key teachers that I've had in uh, in school who have really guided me through, you know, difficult times that I've had in uh, in school, and I think partly that's also why I've kind of chosen the, the career that I've that I've uh, taken. Uh, so they've certainly been been an inspiration for uh, for me. Um, and then along the way, um, you know, some uh, university, uh, you know, there's been uh, some key people who have uh, come uh, from, you know, business uh, sort of areas and things like that, who really inspired me to uh, look at, you know, business ventures and, you know, growing things as well. So that's that's really been inspirational.
0: I know you ride a motorcycle. Mm. So if you could have one bike, what would it be?
1: Well, it would it would certainly be... Uh, a customized uh, chopper, uh, <laughs> yeah. Those, those big handles right <laughs> up there, you know, writing, uh, Yeah, um, that's that's sort of my dream. dream ha- Harley Davidson. Harley, yeah.
0: Um, who's your favorite band? Uh,
1: my favorite band would be U two.
0: Fondest childhood memory.
1: Oh, um, I think uh, it would be when we were when we were growing up. I remember um, we would uh, would go camping because we grew up in, in Jordan. And um, I, I remember, you know, we would go uh, camping with my, with my parents and Down to and Petra. Friends, down to, to Petra. And I yeah. was going to say down to the, the Dead Sea. Yes. So we'd go down go to Go for the a Dead float. Sea. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's where I in fact I I first learned to swim. Like I might have been like really? two yeah, because my <laughs> dad done, because my learned dad, to learn how to swim no. in the dead. <laughs> sea. My dad, that's what he did, right? Like I mean, you know, I, I think I might have been two or something It's my mom tells me this. And my, we went down to the Dead Sea we were camping around there. And um, and and he and he threw me and he, he threw me into <laughs> into oh, the Dead Sea. <laughs> he said, "Yeah, you can swim because you can't sink, right? You can't sink over there, but the water is so salty. If you get that right? in your eyes, and that's what sings, happened right? right? Oh, it was God. stinging. It was in my mouth. Oh, you horrible. know, I felt like vomiting. If you you got know, a cat, it was a bad experience. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. It was a, it was a very bad experience. Um, and uh, thankfully, though, it didn't it didn't put me off swimming though. Well, but yeah." <laughs> <laughs> I don't know whether that's a fun job. Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: what about your most memorable smell?
1: The most memorable smell um, is the smell of the earth after it rains. Yeah, right. Up in the hills. Yeah. Because I grew up actually, in I went to school in, in Darjeeling in the, in the okay. hills. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. So they're up in the hills very uh, green um, wet area well yeah and and you know it uh it i mean it snows in winter over there but when it used to uh to rain uh we we had this uh, you know this area up in the school it was called the parapet and we would sit out there and you could look over the entire what we call the top field um and on, on days that it rained you could actually sit there under under the shade and I remember you would just smell smell the earth, basically. to so they grow tea up there? Yeah, Dajling. So that's where all the tea comes yeah, from. Yeah, right. The Dajling yeah, tea. Okay. Yeah, um,
0: Who is the person, dead or alive, you would most like to sit down and have lunch with?
1: mahatma Gandhi.
0: Um, what's next for uh, Kasai Hussain?
1: Well, I think uh, now, you know, pretty pretty clear. Cyberclinic is really uh what, what I'm focused on and yep. really I want to- build up this com- company and uh, you know hopefully the goal is to probably take it to an, to an IPO at some stage you've heard it here it's on a, <laughs> on a podcast we held to that uh, but that's really my goal I, my vision is to you know to, to make this a, a global company yes uh, and and make access to mental health care you know as you see it's, you know pressing a, a
0: button brilliant well uh, Kasai thank you for sharing your time and your Insights. We know mental health is a, a huge issue and you're making it easier for uh, people to connect with others who can help them. And that's not only improving lives, it's probably saving lives as well. So thank you for all your work in this space and thank you for being on Discipline. Oh,
1: thank you very much, Tony. It was a great pleasure chatting with you.